0: Hello and welcome to Coco Pods, a podcast of the Broad Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation, headquartered in Forsyth, Georgia. Today we're recording live from the campus of Emory University School of Medicine in Atlanta, Georgia. And we are so fortunate to have with us today, Dr. Nanette Wenger, Professor of Medicine Division of Cardiology at the Emory University School of Medicine in Atlanta. Thank you so much, Dr. Wenger, for coming
1: to our podcast today. Dr. Sogari, I welcome you to Emory and to Atlanta, Georgia, and I am just so impressed with the work of the foundation in improving the health of pregnant women. Thank you. On the
0: Cocoa Pods podcast, we talk about all the issues addressing healthcare issues in women with respect to maternal mortality That is women dying from pregnancy-related complications and severe maternal morbidity. That is women becoming very sick around pregnancy. And we talk about these issues, especially as it relates to minority women. It is a hope that talking about these issues bring continued awareness and lead to steps of alleviation of the problem. Again, the Cocoa Pods podcast is available on all major platforms and is currently being aired on Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Dr. Wenger, as a leader in the cardiology field, you have authored and co-authored more than 1,000 700 scientific and review articles and book chapters. Over the course of your career, you became one of the first doctors to focus on heart disease in women since this disease was initially thought to primarily affect men. In talking about heart disease, we must talk about hypertension, a condition of high blood pressure that affects about 108 million Americans. That is just less than 50% of the U.S. population. And only about one in four adults with hypertension have their condition under control. Dr. Wenger, how do we define and describe hypertension? And what is the spectrum of hypertensive disease in a pregnant woman?
1: Well, first, What we would hope, but sadly is not the case, is that the women come healthy to a pregnancy. But sadly, many women come to a pregnancy when they have high blood pressure or hypertension. Sometimes it is known, sometimes it is not known. Let's go to the definitions initially. If the woman comes to a pregnancy with a blood pressure greater than 140 over 90 millimeters of mercury, that is chronic hypertension that existed prior to the pregnancy. And we hope that the appropriate dietary and lifestyle and therapeutic measures have been instituted. But what we will also see is that during a pregnancy, a woman may de novo develop hypertension or high blood pressure. And the high blood pressure of pregnancy is defined as a blood pressure greater than 140 over 90 millimeters of mercury that develops after the 20th week of pregnancy. Now, It may just persist as hypertension of pregnancy, but sadly, it may progress to something much more severe, and that is the topic of our conversation today, that is preeclampsia. And preeclampsia, which is a complication of either baseline hypertension or hypertension of pregnancy or both is hypertension with proteinuria. That means a urine specimen shows some protein, Or if that is not the case, there can be major other complications such as liver injury, such as kidney injury, such as pulmonary edema, such as abnormalities of blood coagulation and major visual and cognitive abnormalities. These are very serious pregnancy complications and have very adverse outcomes, both for the mother and for the baby. In
0: 1993, you co-wrote a landmark review article that demonstrated that cardiovascular disease does similarly affect women, since at that time, women were more likely than men to die from the disease. You also helped write the 2007 guidelines for preventing cardiovascular disease in women. Now, as you mentioned preeclampsia, which is one of the major cardiovascular diseases of pregnancy, what puts a woman at risk for preeclampsia? And what can she do to prevent preeclampsia, if anything?
1: Well, this is really a very important issue, and I think we've made progress. Certainly, the woman who is at risk of pregnancy actually at a, a, Pregnancy complication of preeclampsia occurs more often with a first pregnancy, so that the obstetrician gynecologist seeing the woman with an initial pregnancy will say, first of all, what is her cardiovascular health? Does she have cardiovascular risk factors? Is she a smoker? Is she obese? Does she have diabetes? Does she have high blood pressure? Does she have high cholesterol? Does she have a sedentary lifestyle? all of those cardiac risk factors put a woman at greater risk for having preeclampsia. The sad feature is that African American women are far more prone to preeclampsia than are their Caucasian sisters. And if there is a family history of preeclampsia, that's of concern as well. So what the woman can do to avert this is to come to a pregnancy healthy. And we will talk later on about healthy lifestyle and how important it is in terms of the pregnancy, in terms of the pregnancy outcomes, and in terms of the health of the baby.
0: Dr. Wenger, thank you so much for that response. Can we quantify the risk of preeclampsia conferred by various individual clinical risk factors to hopefully help the woman's doctor to better help the pregnant woman?
1: It really is not just an individual risk factor. Often it is a combination. And the United States Preventive Services Task Force has tasked the obstetrician gynecologist with measuring blood pressure at every pregnancy visit just to see if the woman is at risk. So it's certainly that at every pregnancy visit, the blood pressure should be measured and measures taken, lifestyle measures, to see if the blood pressure can be controlled. And if the woman is at risk for preeclampsia, if she has the risk factors for preeclampsia that we've listed, all of the cardiovascular risk factors, the family history, if she's had preeclampsia with a prior pregnancy, then this is very new. Low-dose aspirin, during the second and third trimesters of pregnancy has been very, very effective in preventing preeclampsia. But what every woman must know is how important these pregnancy visits are, both for her health and for the health of her baby.
0: Wow. So you talked about low-dose aspirin. That is baby aspirin as prescribed by their OBGYN or maternal fetal medicine specialist. Thank you. So you discussed in a recent June 2021 podcast on which you spoke on Rich MD with Dr. Alan Brown. You spoke on cardiovascular complications and pregnancy, and you spoke specifically to doctors, to cardiologists and to OBGYNs. What is the new role that an OBGYN doctor should be playing in evaluating a woman with heart disease?
1: Well, again, we are always so excited that the OBGYN physicians are in the preventive mode. What is the routine approach? pap smears, mammograms, but now the OBGYN must be a partner in preventing the most common cause of morbidity and mortality for women in the US, and that is cardiovascular disease. So that's certainly cardiovascular risk factor screening and education, as we will talk about healthy lifestyle, is a very important feature. Now, for the woman who has had preeclampsia, It is important for her to realize that she is at increased risk of having cardiovascular events. And this is even though she's young, even though she's in her reproductive years, because some of the highest risk is in the first five or 10 years following a preeclamptic pregnancy. So that there has to be regular surveillance. First, what the woman must do is to start a healthy lifestyle. Lose the baby weight, begin to exercise, see that you have a heart-healthy diet, certainly no smoking. You know, so many women will stop smoking during a pregnancy because they're worried about their baby. They should never start smoking again because they're exposing their baby to secondhand smoke and it increases their cardiovascular risk. And then, because the woman is at increased cardiovascular risk, she should have the risk factors measured. Her blood sugar, or blood glucose, blood pressure, and her cholesterol, to be sure that she's not diabetic, to be sure that she's not hypertensive, and to be sure that she's not hyperlipidemic. Because those features can lead to a woman having a very adverse cardiovascular event even at younger age. One of the features that is worrying us as cardiologists is that we're seeing women coming to heart attack and to heart failure earlier in life. Previously, this was something we saw later, but now we are seeing so many non-cardiovascular healthy young women, much more common among women of racial and ethnic minorities. So, again, the OBGYN is a partner with the primary care physician, with the internists and cardiologists in helping prevent heart disease in women.
0: Wow, thank you. And just before we move on with preeclampsia, if you were talking to or one of your fellows or residents were talking to a woman in layman's terms, about signs and symptoms that she should watch out for that might point to the fact that she might be developing pre-eclampsia, what are the simple things you would tell a woman out there to watch out for?
1: Well, I think the first thing I would tell the woman to do is to keep her regular prenatal appointments, because the measurement of the blood pressure is the most important feature. There are no symptoms of increase in blood pressure. The only way you can tell it is by having the blood pressure measured. And certainly the symptoms of preeclampsia, that might be the shortness of breath. But, you know, so many women during pregnancy normally become breathless. So this is something that the physician can detect at a visit. And There is no way, there is no symptom of high blood pressure. It is called the silent killer because of that. But certainly if there are visual problems, if the woman feels some alteration in mental status, anything that's wrong is a reason to see the OBGYN physician.
0: Thank you so much for that. Is there a statement you could make on breastfeeding and preeclampsia?
1: Oh, yes. And most of... The OBGYNs, I don't think, have emphasized this enough. And these are interesting data that come from a research study called the Women's Health Initiative. Now, they were looking at women who were older women, but finding out that. Breastfeeding during pregnancy years earlier gave women a much better cardiovascular health profile. They had less high blood pressure. They had less blood glucose elevation. uh, They had less abnormal lipids. And the longer the duration of the breastfeeding, the lower their cardiovascular risk. So that in addition to the multiple advantages of breastfeeding to the baby, There are advantages to the mother, that the mother has a much more favorable cardiovascular profile.
0: Wow, thank you. Now, in discussing reducing maternal mortality in Georgia, that is, Georgia is a state that has one of the highest rates in the United States. We cannot fail to notice that minority women, like you've spoken earlier, carry a bigger burden of this disease due to certain social determinants and racial healthcare disparities and injustices. In your recent, again, June 2021 podcast on Rich MD with Dr. Alan Brown, you talked about the South Carolina-based study in which you investigated the relationship between pregnancy and heart disease, studying a powerful number of about 500 Black women. Also, in 1979, you co-founded the Atlanta Women's Network as a forum where professional women in Atlanta of diverse backgrounds could come support one another. Also, it is projected that in this nation, there will be about a 55,000 shortage, 55,000 less black doctors in medicine as there are today to provide race congruent and culturally competent care to black women. So what are some of the things that we can do to address All these problems, the social determinants, the racial health care disparities, the injustices, what are some of the things that we can do to help some of these problems?
1: Well, you know, the COVID pandemic has brought to light something that clinicians and epidemiologists and researchers have known for a long time, and that is the importance of social determinants of health. And these social determinants, I think disproportionately affect racial and ethnic minority populations. And what we see is that health is not solely a medical problem. It's related to the environment. It's related to air pollution. It's related to health policy. It's related to health insurance, to access to care. It's related to access to healthy foods, to open spaces for safe exercise, so that there are a number of social determinants of health that I think society has to address. But they are extremely important because they identify vulnerable populations. And what my associates in South Carolina found out is they were looking at imaging studies of the coronary arteries, looking at abnormalities that illustrated that there was an increased risk of early coronary disease. And they found that women who had pregnancy complications, and this was a study exclusively of black women, were much more likely to have these abnormalities in their coronary arteries. So that's an early determinant of disease. It was seen in the women who developed diabetes during their pregnancy, and the women who had preeclampsia during their pregnancy. So this was documentation that these conditions that disappeared at the end of the pregnancy had long-term permanent consequences on the arterial health of the women. Now let's talk back again about the care of patients and the representation of physicians in the community unquestionably there is a shortage of African-American physicians in all specialties, both men physicians and women physicians. And it's a pipeline problem. What we have to see is that minority men and women are exposed to medicine as a profession early on in their career, not even impossible to do it as early as grade school, to realize that science is a fascinating area. And during secondary school, and certainly during college, to encourage racial and ethnic minority men and women to go into the healthcare professions. But again, given the fact that the majority of physicians are non-minority physicians today, what we all must learn is cultural competency. And we must learn the cultural values of the patients that we see. And we must learn communication skills so that particularly when I see a patient in my clinic visit, often what I will ask, and this is what we now term patient-centered care, is I ask the patient, what do you expect to happen as a result of this clinic visit? Do you have particular concerns? What do you want me to address? And... Often the patient will have specific concerns, but then I will say the things that I want to address based on the health status of the patient. And for the OBGYN who sees a woman who has elevation of glucose, of blood pressure, et cetera, that that is the time to say, this is what we must do for lifestyle benefits, possibly even medications, because staying healthy during a pregnancy is critical for the woman's subsequent cardiovascular health and for the health of her baby.